Broadcasting from Cincinnati, Ohio. And Phoenix, Arizona. You are listening to Work Life 360. This podcast is all about helping one another navigate through the noise and the clutter that's holding us back from our potential to be a healthier, successful community. Whether it's stress, head trash, time management, tips on living a healthier lifestyle, or just navigating lifelong goals, this podcast is everything work-life related. I'm Rhonda. And I'm Bruce. We're here to provide you with tips and tricks to help you navigate through the day-to-day mental blocks. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Work Life 360. You are here with Bruce, Rhonda, and a special guest, Mr. Will Metcher from Southwestern Coaching. Uh, Will and I have the opportunity to work together. He's actually uh, my coach. I look up to him a lot, and he speaks a lot of great words. Uh, Will, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much. Excited to be on. Yeah. So, you know, as we start with every episode, we're going to review the action items from the last podcast. So if you hadn't had a chance to review the last episode, hit pause, go back and give it a listen. There's a lot of good tips on setting courageous goals. We actually work through the 10 steps of setting courageous goals. Um, here we are in the beginning of the year of 2021, and it is, it is goal setting time if you haven't done so already. So um, me personally, one of the goals that I'm striving towards is to change 16 lives um, and in doing so and working through setting those courageous goals, right? Being specific, taking the first step, writing them down. Um, here at Southwestern Coaching, we, we actually have a uh, goal setting form that we fill out where we get very specific as to our goals. And, and I actually just happened through the process. I send my goals to Will and he sent me back an email saying, hey, get more specific, dude. Uh, and uh, so I, I've had the opportunity to do that. So changing 16 lives is my goal. Um, get to work on that. And, and, you know, Rhonda, what was yours? Mine was to build relationships with our Global Chance agents. So professionally in 2020, at the end of the year, talked about with my supervisor and we were thinking with all of the struggles of 2020 and the need to keep connected with our team through virtual meetings and different, every month we would have three different type of wellness activities to kind of tap into the, to the interests of everybody working remotely. And the feedback and the results were so heartwarming that we thought, Hey, let's, give this shot a shot with our agents. So for me, we have 600 agents from what I understand. I'm thinking 30 is a solid number. Okay. What do you think? I know that's big, but. Yeah, (laughs) sure. And you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what's your first step? My first step is actually, actually, is it okay that I already did it? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So we had a town hall meeting just a couple weeks ago. So Bob, brought me on the panel. So I got to virtually meet everybody and it was, but I have gotten to know a few of them through LinkedIn and and just learning. And I have so much respect and appreciation for the fact of them running their business and their commitment to deliver the best quality service they can for, for their partners. So it was, it was an amazing experience. And I got to tell you, I was you know, after, you know, with anything, when you put your heart and soul into things and you're all excited afterwards, it was like, ah, you know, I just, it was a good feeling. So yeah, that, that feel of just joy and, and confidence, you know, you felt confident afterwards. It gave you that, that 
okay, what's next, right? That, yeah. that adrenaline of this is, I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, the, right? I took the step, I'm in now. <laughs> There's no uh, pivoting. No turning back. <laughs> Will, what about you? What, what's, uh, what's a goal that you've got? So uh, many goals. I'd say one that scares the crap out of me is uh, running an ultra. Um, and it's a Spartan ultra race. Oh, and it's for those of you who don't know it's uh it's a 50k mm -hmm. with 60 obstacles and, wow uh i've never run 50 kilometers in my life in in one go uh i've done one of the lesser ones which is a, a half marathon with a number of obstacles mm -hmm. uh scares the crap out of me. And I'm, I'm not a runner. That's not something I'm, I'm great at. Um, but it's important to me because I, I think it's, it's going to push me and stretch me. And I'm, I'm doing the trifecta, which is there's the different levels. There's a sprint super and beast. Um, and you know, it's like smaller, less, less running a little bit more, a little bit more, a lot more like doubles it and i i did a beast like three years ago and it took me six and a half hours to finish it oh my gosh now i'm doubling it <laughs> and so it's like <laughs> physical activity for 12 hours is is pretty daunting but and it's very mental <laughs> it's so mental it's so mental and that's that's why i want to do it is like i love fitness i love working mm -hmm. out i love doing things like crossfit because it's like short bursts right but at the same time, like, okay, let's take those short bursts and stretch it out to a whole day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the fact that it was scary and crazy intimidating and like, that's like a beast I've done ultra. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I first looked at it, I'm, I'm doing it with some friends and we looked at it and they were like, man, that's really stupid. <laughs> and then we kind of looked at each other and we're like, are we going to do it? And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. let's do this. Let's make it happen. So I, um, so I finished my first full marathon when I entered a new decade <laughs> and I only have been running for like four years and I can't say either will that it's something that I really enjoy, but I find that that's my mental therapy, so to speak. That's where I have my best chit chats with myself and can really push through any of the physical and mental pain actually. So last year, I think it was January 6th was my first marathon here in Arizona. And I felt so good. Well, let me take that back. At about mile 16, I was really questioning myself, like, what the bleep am I doing? <laughs> and then it was one of those, okay, if I just make it to the next mile, it was one of those mental games. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, well, I can't stop now. I'm this far in, you know, and then finishing and not being able to move. And so anyway, when I was all done, I'm like, okay, I'm signing up for an ultra, you know, totally. Yeah. Well, that's good that you're able to think like, okay, I'll finish this mile. Like my brain is still like, okay, I'm going to get to that next street sign. Like I'll get that next block <laughs> and then the next one and then the next one. And then, yeah, I wish there was a way that we could record what we're thinking because you go through so many phases of your life when you're yeah. spending that much time with yourself and there's yeah. nobody else to yeah. have a conversation with you. Unless you're, I've, you know. I've had the, the opportunity to cycle on a bicycle, nonetheless, a road bike uh, uh -huh. from Miami to Tallahassee twice and talk about like, you know, on our century days, which is a hundred miles, it's, it's a long day. And just like Will said, you know, when you're at like mile 70 
it starts hitting and you're like, okay, if I can get to that stop sign, I'm good. If I can get to the next, to the next, and let, let's kind of shift this into our goals, right? Like if our goals are so far out, like 10 year goals or five year goals, like that is part of the, the milestones, right? Like you feel happy every time you hit a milestone. And so like right. while, while you're exercising, whatever your exercise is, you, you look for that next, that next win, whether it be a stop sign, whether it be putting $10,000 into a bank for a, a down payment, mm-hmm. it all relates. And every step matters and every step forward is the right, way, the right move to set yourself up for success. And every single step that we take, and I sometimes think we forget about that, like, you know, getting up, being on time, being responsible, showing up for our family, showing up for our work life, all, every time we do that, it's forward momentum. And we can just build upon that. If we pay attention, we pay attention to the good things that we are deliberately intentionally doing that eh, may not feel like doing when the alarm goes up, but we show up. Right. Sure. Sure. So, you know, well, I want to kind of dive in, um, with you a little bit, kind of give us your, your five minute commercial. And by five minutes, I, I actually probably mean like a minute, two minutes. Uh, we, we have a limited time slot here. So uh, just kind of give us who is Will? Who is Will Metcher? Yeah. So uh, originally from the Midwest, I grew up in Missouri. Uh, I, I reside in, in Portland, Oregon now. Um, technically- My daughter lives there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. I'm technically in Vancouver, Washington, because uh, tax incentive. There's no state income tax in, in uh, Washington, so that's a plus. But um, yeah, I learned about this crazy summer internship program called Southwestern when I was in, in college, a freshman, my freshman year. And it was um, freshman year. I was, uh, I was a double major business management, nutrition and fitness at the time. And heard about this internship. My roommate had already signed up for it. His girlfriend um, had signed up for it and um, they were explaining it and they're like, yeah, it's crazy. You go door to door. It's like 80 hours a week, straight commission, like we're in a different part of the country. Like it's the, your whole summer. I'm like, gosh, that sucks. That sounds horrible. And then same exact situation. I'm just like, oh, man, I should probably do that. And <laughs> made up my mind to do it. Um, love my, my two friends to death. They didn't make it. It was like the first day they were just like, I can't do this. This isn't for me. They drove all the way back home. Uh, nine years later, I was, I was still with the company. Cause again, at the time, you know, it was just kind of pacing ourselves for me. It was like, I'm going to get through the first day. Okay. I'm going to get through the first week. Now I'm going to get through it. And okay, now I'm going to get through the summer. And you know, it's like, okay, well, I'll do one summer and then I'll call it quits and um, did really well, um, made a decent amount of money that summer, grew a ton, learned all kinds of stuff about my brain and how it works and communication and pushing through. Um, and then I kept doing it. I did it for, for nine summers total. I uh, was a sales director within that company. And I think part of where my passion kind of lies is continuously doing something and helping people push through some of those challenges. And um, now I have the opportunity to serve people, not just in that and, you know, in that company itself, but all over the world and being a a sales and and leadership and accountability coach and a therapist and a personal trainer and all the hats that we get to wear. um, 
love what I get to do. So I've, I've been with uh, Southwestern, at least this portion of the company for, uh, it'll be four years in, in January. Wow. That's I'm curious. Awesome. I'm curious. When did you first notice that you had this internal drive to help people? Because not everybody is able to tap into that. Were there specific life experiences, whether they were good or bad, that kind of triggered your passion for helping people? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think there's a couple. I think it's it's partially innately ingrained in me the the desire to pour into others and and serve like um, both my parents were professors and educators and then if you, we stretch it out even further like my whole family for the most part is in education and and in some context um, and so like part of that is just you know for me like that's kind of what what drove me initially is I just love that idea of pouring into others in, in that capacity and then uh, partially from from failure and from challenges and and um, I think we we build our motivations through our our deepest regrets and our, our most challenging times and our in our fears in life um, and, you know, it's funny, this is the first time that it actually kind of connected with me when I really had like a true regret. Uh, fifth grade, I tried out for the, the elementary school basketball team. It was like a new thing, Benton Elementary. They're like, we're going to do this basketball camp. We're going to play all the other schools. I was a little taller for, uh, um, for my age. And, you know, I was pretty good for a fifth grader at basketball, but I was kind of a chunkster, right? So I had some like anxieties and, and fears there. And so Monday, day one after school, uh, you know, we started tryouts, right? And I remember I got done and I like, we were running the stairs or something silly like that. And like the guy who was like coaching us was like, I don't know, like let's run. He had no idea what he was doing. And I bowed out. Like I made up some stupid excuse of, you know, like, ah, oh, I just, I forgot something. I need to go home. I need to get something. Mm. And then I just, I never came back and it was mm. totally allowing my fear to get the, the best of me. And that stuck with me mm. throughout, you know, elementary, middle, high school. I had a lot of regrets and fears and I was, I was very reactive to those fears and it was through Southwestern that truly helped me start pushing myself and like no part of a human brain wants to go knock on a door at eight in the morning and talk to somebody that they've never talked to ever. Right. Right. And through being able to overcome that, it's given me this, this passion of being able to help others really push past their own self-limiting beliefs so at the end of the day, they can be the best versions of themselves in whatever capacity that is. Oh, it's, you know, it's funny listening to you that resonates probably with so many of our listeners there, you know, we all have those moments where we kind of threw in the towel yeah, and really did not show up as our best self. And we let our mental trash so to speak really grab hold of our emotions and then drive our actions to go the path of least resistance that's safer and 
but doesn't necessarily do anything to help us develop, you know, our skills and to be open to enjoy the process of winning and losing, right? It's all that all of that matters. So true. Yeah, it's absolutely you're you're spot on. And I think it, you know, and it's funny thinking about like, well, what gets us to do certain things and, and, you know, what is that motivation within ourselves that causes us to, to kind of push ourselves? Uh, Rhonda, I'm, I'm curious just from, from your point of view, like when it comes to this internal motivation, where, where do you think that comes from? Well, I think, I think part of it is definitely there's a genetic component, right? There's just some people we know that are high, strong, high energy, able to break through any barriers that the environment or they may potentially put on themselves. They're just success driven. There's something about the way they, their brain reacts to things in life. And a lot of it, you know, there's difference in terms of, you know, whether we're male, female, our life experiences, what culture, what our beliefs are, how we're unconsciously conditioned to react and, you know, any type of, you know, if we've been a population where we've not been given the same opportunities, we always hear about those people, despite genetics, despite the lack of equal opportunity, despite one obstacle after the other, they find it somewhere within them to keep going. And I think, you know, you can't study it in science and really don't think psychology or philosophy can either even identify it. It's something with the spirit, I think, that some people just have that more so than others and not to fault the people that don't, you know, some people just don't have that and they revert back to their default mechanisms and way of dealing with life. And it's just that continuous, just go about the day to day. Okay. I have to do this. I have to do that. And there's no joy in that. So I think that people that find their way through the nuances, they feel a sense of joy in the moment, the best way that that can show up for them. And it's going to be different for everybody. We all, and we all are different energies, right? Some of us, we move really quick. And so I remember my first class when I was, I don't know, 20, the psychologist professor, I asked the question, like, how come people like sometimes they move so slow, you know, they don't ever get anything done. You know, they just watch TV or a day, or there's no drive to move forward or improve themselves. And he, and he said to me, Rhonda, just some people just aren't genetically conditioned that way. They're, they're, they have to find that drive, you know, and for everybody, it's going to be different. So that's where I first think I learned to practice empathy and compassion because I immediately assumed, I made assumptions about other people that really was in my own head, it really wasn't reality. Like just because I have all this energy doesn't mean I'm better than anybody or people are lazy. It's just your perspective, right? And what's your what's your thought process? I'm curious with that. Um, you know, I'll take a swing at it too. I was um, it's, it's interesting, you know, kind of hearing that, that you're right. It absolutely is. It's a perspective thing. Um, so I had a conversation with a, a gentleman who, uh, he's in, um, finance and he works for a pretty big financial firm that, that you guys would, would have heard of. 
and just kind of hearing how his brain works, he had an incredibly successful year, made well over six figures in his first year. And just listening to kind of what his fears were and his challenges and kind of what, what, what drove him to be successful. I think if we want to simplify something, right, which sometimes is good, sometimes is not, but if we want to simplify, like, I think this idea of motivation and as you were talking and listening to him, you know, previously, I think it comes down to two drivers. I think it's the idea of fear and love. Mm. And based on where we are and, and how we view things, those two can be very incredible drivers. And for some people, it's a fear of, well, I don't want to be like my father or I, 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 I'm so fearful of failure that I'm going to do everything possible to push through this, or I'm fearful of becoming that couch potato because I've seen what that's done to other people um, or love. Like they've seen success and they've seen what they've been able to do and what they've been able, how they've served people. And then, and that's a driver. And then they're able to push more and more and more and more to where it eventually just that motivation is, is, is ingrained in them and it's become a habit. Right. And then they latch onto that. I mean, that's how you find purpose too, is like what, what gets you to tick and what gives you that, that, that driver. So um, I I could be way off on that, but. No, no. And it's, it's, you know, when Bruce and Bruce, you can jump in here, you shared the 10 courageous goals and as we were putting the podcast out, that was my first time listening. So I was, again, just absorbing, you know, I have my own idea of what goal setting is, but that was the first one vision. Like, what is your purpose in life? I think so many people don't, maybe have not been taught that there has to be an emotional attachment to it. It can't be superficial. It's got to be deeper in that. What, what do you want? out of life. Yeah. And, then you, and then you examine that you really start to identify. Once you identify that, that is crucial to moving forward. Yeah. And it's important for people to find their passion. You know, uh, you look at the nursing industry, that's, that's an industry full of passion, you know, people that just love to help others. And, and you look at the, the, I mean, education industry, there's a passion there. I mean, depending on what part of the world you're in, like teachers don't get paid a lot. Mm. Let's yeah. be honest for the work that they do. They, they really don't get paid a lot, but they do it because they have a passion for it. Like knowing that they're helping kids develop and grow and become successful adults. That's kind of what gets them out of bed each morning. It's mm-hmm. not the, the glamorous paycheck. It's the fact that they know that they're making a difference each and every day. Um, and that they're moving the needle forward at a much bigger level than, than themselves. Yeah. I'm curious, Will, when one of the interviews then, because I was stalking you on Google, <laughs> I went two or three pages in, <laughs> did my homework. Weird so, on my third or fourth page. Yeah, because yeah, actually I found one video and in that video, the podcast you did, you, you talked about uh, the fact that people will look at page two, three and four of people's Google sites. <laughs> <laughs> But I heard you, one of the interviews you talked about, you know, there's three things and this, this resonates with me, you know, just being a personal trainer and nutritional advisor and behavioral counselor, the three points you made that for people to be coached or mentored 
or to change anything in their life, they need to be, have three things. They need to be coachable, willing to listen to the advice, you know, break down the barriers or preconceived unconscious thoughts they have in their head. They need to be committed. And Bruce has talked about this, like 100% in, no turning back. And they have to be ready to change. And I'm curious to how you navigate and if you do this, because I know obviously if people are coming to coaching, they want it. When I think from a psychology perspective, people come from different stages of change. So they maybe they're the couch potato. They're in that pre-contemplation stage. They're not even thinking about it. And then maybe they hear you on an interview, you know, so now there's uh, oh, they're contemplating, maybe I need to get some help. And then there's that preparation stage where they're saying they're doing their, they're getting, checking their finances and they're doing a little more research and they're, you know, maybe looking at other um, people that have had coaches and seeing what their perspective is. And then they're ready to take action. And then they're in, they're all in, and then they, they're committed. They go through that maintenance stage. I'm curious to find out how do you, and this is where I'm I try to plant seeds when people are not even aware that they need or that they could benefit. Let me put it that way. They could benefit from making some positive changes in their life by having a mentor, by having a coach. How do you navigate putting those thoughts into people's minds to begin to think about the possibility of having a growth mindset? Yeah, such a cool conceptual idea. Um, well, just to, to start with the obvious, change sucks. Yep. And it, it can, and it's it, it can be incredibly challenging to change, to break bad habits, to create new habits, like and without pain, we don't change. And without putting a magnifying glass on on, on our challenges, we don't tend to to change. And so you know, whenever I'm talking to people, it's, it's not, you know, my, my goal isn't to be the person to point out their challenges and frustrations mm-hmm. to allow them to find it, right. Allow allowing them to talk about it. And, um, you know, great example. Um, so I, I studied nutrition and fitness in school, but I also am very passionate about it. And I, I hired a personal trainer because you know, I also needed somebody like I could put together a workout routine, but I needed somebody that was going to be there to kick my butt while I was in the gym. And we, we did kind of, you know, like a progress picture uh, in January. I was pissed. I was so frustrated because I, you know, like Christmas happens, Thanksgiving, you put on a couple pounds. We did like the the pitch test, you know, (laughs) And then we did like uh, pictures and I'm like, ah, screw you, Nick. Like, I don't want to, but I realized it's because I needed that pain. I needed that desire to, okay, there is room for improvement. There is room for growth. And, you know, to simplify it, it's easy for us to be able to find out what that is. And it's, it's very simply talking about people's goals. Mm -hmm. What were your goals last year? What did you accomplish? What did you miss out on? Mm-hmm. Well, you missed out on X, Y, and Z. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, what do you feel like some of those obstacles were that caused you to run into that and dig into that a little bit more on, on that and like getting people to express, hey, here's a challenge of mine. Here's what I'm running into. 
And then even taking it a step further, you know, Rhonda, if that continues to happen, like what if nothing changes? How does that affect you? You know, how does that feel knowing you just spent a year doing the same thing over and over and over again, and for some expecting different results, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's truly getting other people to uncover Mm -hmm. their own challenges, right? And, and, and recognize and put a spotlight on that. And, And because I think you're right, people don't realize or they've, they've, they've numbed whatever that pain is because they don't want to think of it. They don't, they don't like thinking about their own pains and what they're going through. But until that spotlight is on it, until you recognize it yourself, the crap, I do need to change, then nothing ever happens. There is no growth. Yeah. We talked, uh, Bruce and I, last episode about, you know, when you're thinking about coming up with goals, having that dreamy like time with yourself where you take a broader perspective of your life. And then when you have that broader perspective, you can break kind of follow it around visually and then shine that spotlight on that area where there's a potential to bring growth and some more joy into your life and then lean into it really signal in like a laser how best to improve that aspect of your life, whether it's, you know, working through, you know, your fitness goals or your relationship goals or your work-life goals and really appreciating the journey as you take all those steps from that broader perspective to the more definitive ones, which are sometimes often uncomfortable and we're just naturally geared to step away to back to that safe zone where there's no growth and we become stagnant and we just kind of go through the day to day. So um, before we came on the podcast today, I had shared an experience with someone kind of just what you're talking about. Um, When I first moved to Arizona, this woman was told by someone else that she needed to make a change or she would not be around for her ki- for her children. And immediately when she met me, she did not want anything to do with me, even though my goal is to help her, to coach her along. And it was one of those, she just wasn't ready yet. She just didn't find it. She just didn't see it. She did it because the doctor said, you better take charge of your nutritional habits and your exercise habits, you're not going to be here for your children and your husband and her husband was ill. So it was those, that family relationship that drove her to do the exercising and watching what she eat, what she was eating, but it wasn't from her internally, like internally, she wasn't driven yet. She wasn't quite there. And then once, you know, we build that relationship and then she starts to put the defenses away. You know, it's amazing to see her find her way. I'm just there as a guide to support her and, and to show her empathy and compassion and not judge her. Because, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, trainers, you know, I've worked with a lot of them. They're very judgy on people, what they look like and what they eat. And, and that's that's awful. That's, I wish, none of them, in my opinion, should be working they do such a disservice to people's mental and physical health. So my point That's is one collection thing, I think. What's that? Like they, they put that on other people because that's how they feel about themselves. And they feel that. 
and and she could honestly tell that I cared and I was, you know, and then the day I left, she was, you know, she had told me that that was the most joyous part of her life. And then she promised me she would keep it up because she learned how to enjoy the process of putting in the work. Even if she didn't feel like it, she felt better afterwards. And also she's becoming a positive role model for her children and, and then her husband. So it's, again, helping people find the path. Yeah. You know, I think that's definitely, definitely, I agree with your perspective there, Will. I like that. It's beautiful. I, I think it's interesting, too, because that what you created, and um, you're familiar, you may be familiar with the book, like The Power of Habit. Mm. Um, it talks about like those keystone habits. And a keystone habit is like something, it's kind of like the trickle down effect. Like if I change this one thing in my life, mm -hmm. um, it's then a trigger for all other things, right? If you create one positive growth-minded thing in one part of your world, it trickles into others. And I, I fully believe um, the, the concept, how we do anything is how we do everything. And so how you're, how you're showing up with your family is a direct relation to how you show up with your clients, how you're treating your body is also how you're treating, you know, other people uh, around you and your business, like it's so correlated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, it's just getting people to do that one thing. Mm -hmm. It's okay, I'm going to stop smoking. Okay, well, if you stop smoking, then it's like, okay, well, I like the idea of running. And that's probably a good new habit to get into. And because I'm that I'm doing that, I feel better to, you know, eat healthier. And because I'm eating healthier, hey, I'll probably get more sleep. And hey, I think I might start dating again. <laughs> all of a sudden it's like it because of that one change mm -hmm. right? yep everything is connected it was interesting one of the podcasts this is kind of a little lighter funner <laughs> no um it was this college beer review board that you participated in <laughs> you and your younger self yeah actually i was really intrigued because i thought how clever how, how did you, and what was the young man's, Dan was his name? How did you come up with that concept? I'm curious. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty entertaining story, actually. So um, Dan and I had have, have been friends since high school. And so he also did that crazy summer internship. And uh, How do you make out? <laughs> Call him out? Yeah, yeah. He, he made it. He survived. Um, and... We, we got done with one summer and we were roommates at the time. And we, you know, you give a 19, 20 year old $10,000, they don't know what to do with it. And like, you know, so there was a grocery store at the time that just had this massive wall of like all these different beers, these single beers that you could buy. And we just thought it was the coolest concept ever to buy every single beer that they had. It was like 275 individual <laughs> beers. And so like, and we didn't even think like, oh, well, how's it even going to fit in the fridge? Which it didn't. Oh, of course. <laughs> and so we have all these beers. At the same time, uh, I'm participating in this, uh, this, this event called Startup Weekend. And it's where you, you take a business and you try to create it in, in a weekend, right? Ah. Well, I'd been partnered up with this group and, uh, you know, the girl that was kind of our leader that had this 
you know, cool idea. It was like having like sleeping pods in, in, uh, in schools at universities. And one of the, the mentors there, you know, heard her idea and just kind of blew it up. Mm-hmm. and was like, yeah, it's not going to work because of this, 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 and this. And she's like, okay, well, I'm done. And like left. And I'm like, I have like a day and a half. What am I going to do? So I call up my buddy, Dan, and I'm like, hey, you know, all those beers that we got, like, do we want to just like figure out how we can create a business through that? Through all the beers. Through all the beers. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And of course, it's like, (laughs) sure, that sounds like a great idea. So we we designed, like created this idea. We had like different ratings. Um, It was specifically for college students because at the time, nobody knew like, you know, this idea of an IPA or a stout, like, sure. You know, it was all natty yeah. light and bud light. Yeah. Bud lights. And just like, what, what's the closest thing we can get our hands on to drink it as fast as we possibly can. <laughs> but we had all these delicious different kinds of beers. And so we created this thing called collegebeerreview.com. It, it doesn't exist anymore. We didn't really run with it, but. Oh, I found it. I <laughs> 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 uh, sent a message. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's still out in the abyss somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, we were just passionate about creating something and we got really, we nerded out and we had a lot of fun and we ended up winning like a thousand dollars. And, and, uh, we, we took like third and totally like suited up and we had like red solo cups in the in the presentation and it was just it was fun it was just a cool idea that we decided to run with and uh we were just passionate about doing something that we found enjoyment in. and i think that's what so many people miss mm-hmm. yeah being able to latch on to hey i find enjoyment in the these two areas like of course starting a business sucks and it's hard and it's challenging but what part of it gives you passion and what gets you excited to get up every day. And for us, obviously in college, it was drinking beer. <laughs> and that's what, yeah. what yeah. Got it. Um, you know, well, Ron and I were talking kind of offline, you know, before, before any of this and before, you know, we asked you to come on the show. And so one of the things that she asked me is, you know, how, you know, Bruce as coach, you know, how do you compartmentalize your clients, baggage as you will like their 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 struggles kind of become your struggles and how do you how do you compartmentalize that so you're not like walking around with with all this extra baggage on your shoulders and it's weighing you down and um because you know we care about our clients they're they're part of our lives you know a lot of them are great friends and uh we care deeply sometimes you know we want it more than they do um but you know how do you compartmentalize kind of that baggage Hmm. You know, I, uh, and, and that's a great question, Bruce. I don't feel like I struggle with that. I think, and I think part of it is because the goal of the call is to move somebody in the right direction, mm-hmm. serve them and to help them. And so if it was, you know, just a conversation of here's what really sucks, and I'm just going to be pissed off about why this sucks. And sure, you need to experience that. And mm-hmm. through coaching, I mean, we work with people for a, a minimum, a minimum of a year, sometimes years and years and years and years. So, I mean, again, you, you see all kinds of crazy things through 
you know, sexual abuse, suicide, divorce, you know, uh, all kinds of just traumatic, challenging things. But if we're having a conversation about it is because it, it's, it's because they want to, to work through it. They, yeah. they want to change. They want to feel at ease. They want to um, get better. And so I think um, for me, as long as they're moving in the right direction, I don't have that weight on my shoulders because I know that I am, you know, there to kind of be that guiding light. I'm not going to move the ship, but if I can be that guiding light to help them at least move in the right direction. And sometimes I need to call them out on their shit if they are in the wrong mindset. Yeah but getting them to go in the right direction. And, you know, I saw that question last night and I, it took me a while to kind of think through that. I'm like, do I hold that weight? And I think that's why I don't is because our intention and our purpose is, and I mean, think about it too. These people are paying us. They're giving us money because they want to change. Sure. It's like the same concept. If I had a free gym membership because my company gave it to me, like, I don't have skin in the game. These people are giving us money and saying, I want to change. And so the resistance, of course, it's still going to be there, but it's it's not as bad. And so even when they are coming up with like these really tough, challenging things, mm-hmm. it's normally because, hey, I hate feeling like this. How do I improve? Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I was, exactly. I was telling Bruce I had... um. um one of my team members, she had an emotional moment. So she coming in to get a workout in and she, for the first time in her life, she's 40 years old. She has children. She bought her first new car ever. And she mm-hmm. never felt that she was worthy of spending money on something that was important to her. And she had an emotional, physical reaction from getting in that car that she did not expect in terms of feeling safe and just pride and taking, and, and so long story short, it was, there was tears, you know, hugging and, and that's kind of what sometimes it's hard to, cause you feel that with them and then you're trying to pick them up and build them up and make them see the value in taking care of themselves and fulfilling whatever need it is that they need in that moment. And then trying to, turn it in the emotion of sorrow and joy, which can kind of happen at the same time. And then when she left, it was really important that there was a smile on her face and that she let that emotion go and, and went out, you know, with her head high and feeling proud and, and not letting those negative, I'm not worthy of this creep back in. Cause for a second there, I saw that happening, you know, and I was again, having that, I think, and you probably Bruce with your clients, you talk about the importance of self-talk and yeah. positive affirmations. And so, and sometimes for me, that's hard. Like the way I navigate it is make sure that when she leaves, I do my best with my skills and my compassion to leave her in a good, good space. If I can, I try my best anyway. It's challenging because that's it's so deep rooted in those negative words that her brain is telling herself about herself. Mm. And 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 like we're we're going to believe a hundred percent of what we're telling ourselves because we think it's true. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We have an emotional reaction or a thought. That's a big one. If we have the this this thought that pops into our brain, we we tend to believe the 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 truth about it, even if it's just so obnoxious and weird, and we grab onto it and mm-hmm. we're like, okay, well, this has to mean something. Yeah. Yep. Yep. To, Tell ourselves stories all the time. Oh yeah. Bruce, thoughts? What are you thinking? That was great. You know, Will, thank you so much for, for your time. You know, I know you're a very busy guy and, you know, changing lives left and right. And, uh, you know, thanks for your, your open words of, of wisdom and, and caring and compassion, really. Um, I thank you so much for, for being on with us. And, you know, Rhonda, great questions. I, I kind of let you guys kind of run with it because uh, that this whole neuroscience thing is, is your guys' ball game. And, uh, I loved it. It was awesome. Well, we all learned something, you know, from each other, you know, yeah. and that's the beautiful thing about partnerships and being open to a growth mindset. You know, we all have certain attributes and then we all have definitely areas for growth and development and just being open to that and looking on how best to improve our lives and the lives of our listeners. I mean, that's what it's all about is it takes a community. You know, nobody's successful all by themselves. There's a team behind, behind them. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, guys, so guys, we, sorry, we always uh, like to end each episode with a, with an action item. So the action ready, item, <laughs> yeah, here's your action item, Will. Uh, the, the action item for, for next episode is going to be, you know, we, we talked about goal setting, right? Again, identify three behavioral changes that you're going to make to strive towards your goal. Three behavioral or three changes or identify three things that you need to do to accomplish your goal and push that needle forward. So between now and then, be well and be kind. Thanks, Will. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good to see you, Bruce. That wraps up this episode of Work-Life 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all of our other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes, any links, any articles that we've referenced in today's episode. We appreciate your time and ask you to send any feedback to worklife360podcast at gmail.com. We value your time and we're here for you. Contact me directly if you'd like to learn more about me coming to run a free sales training workshop for your team. Follow me on LinkedIn or check out my website at brucepumierswc.com. If you'd like to learn more about me or have a free health consult, check me out on LinkedIn or visit my website at planningtheseedsforhealthyliving.com. Thanks for joining us.